0: Hey guys, we are back with the core group curriculum podcast. We are in the by faith semester. We are going through Hebrews 11, the people who are called by faith um and this week we are going to talk about moses with cj hello and um so last week we talked with mike about um joseph and this week we are going to make that kind of jump over to moses so cj what kind of happened last week versus what's gonna kind of happen this week like what's going on in between these passages
1: Yes. There's actually not much that happens in the scriptures between Joseph's story and Moses's story. Uh, This is the transition between Genesis and Exodus. And the Bible gives us actually very little. It just says that kind of after Joseph's family had come to Egypt, you know, after the the famine and all of that. So they came to Egypt to be provided for by Joseph. um, And they grew and they grew and they grew. And it just says after a few generations, there was a king who did not know about Joseph. And that king came to power um, in Egypt and from uh, from this point on, the, the Israelites became slaves of Egypt. Um, but there actually are some really interesting connections between the two stories. So this isn't just like a, a straightforward break. Actually, one of my favorite parts of the Joseph story is the very end, which I don't—did y'all talk about with Mike much the, the death uh, no. of Joseph? Which is cool because actually in Hebrews 11— if you go read Hebrews 11, it's actually a really weird little scene from Joseph's (laughs) life that they pick out to talk about the the faithfulness. Um, And there's so much from Joseph's life that is an exemplar of faithfulness. But um, the Hebrews author picks out just the very last thing that Joseph does. He dies. But right before he dies, he gives this really weird prophecy that says, hey, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. This is Genesis chapter 50, verse verse 25. Um, and what's cool here is that the Hebrews author reads this as being a sign of his um, recognition uh, and faith in the fact that God will deliver them, uh, which is fulfilled ultimately in Moses. So Genesis ends with that kind of prophecy of a Messiah who will lead them out of the land uh, and then rolls right into Exodus where now in the land that they're no longer enjoying, but being enslaved in, uh, a Messiah does come forth and, and lead them out.
0: Yeah. So then now we're going to move into the story of Moses, which covers all of Je- all of Exodus. Sorry, which is forty chapters, and we're going to talk about all forty of those chapters this week, right? No.
1: Um, in in curriculum <laughs> and in core group, it's probably hard to talk about even one full chapter a lot of times. Uh, so covering forty full chapters is insane, but. In Hebrews 11, which is kind of, again, the, the jumping off point for all of the passages we've selected this semester, um, the stories that they're, uh, that the Hebrews author is bringing up from Moses's life cover like 14 chapters of Exodus, um, most of the people that are talked about in Hebrews 11 only get like a couple of little shout outs, um, so that he might talk about them for a verse or two and maybe one or two events from each person's life. But Abraham and Moses get talked about for a long time and about a lot of stuff that they did. Um, so Moses next to Abraham is the most t- discussed figure in Hebrews 11, and it takes place for the first 14 chapters of Exodus. So actually, rather than having you all read 14 chapters in core group, I decided actually just to focus on the verses in Hebrews 11. Um, and then from that, if uh, if you want to go and jump off and look at a particular scene from Moses's life that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, you can feel free to do that. It'll be in the first 14 chapters of Exodus. But I wanted to take Moses kind of as a whole, um, his story, the, the Exodus story as a whole, and him as a person as a whole, and discuss the shape of his life. And then ultimately, with the intent of showing how that points to Jesus, which I do think is the primary intent of the book of Hebrews, is to show how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament figures and prophecies and covenants. Um, So the anchor text for this week is back in Hebrews 11, just the chapters on Moses' life. But again, I think it's really helpful if um, your group has a specific scene or if like a group leader thinks that uh, their group has a specific um kind of struggle of faith that aligns with one piece of Moses' story. Yeah, go go hang out and
0: jump mm-hmm. in
1: that section of Exodus.
0: Yeah. And if you are someone or maybe your whole group maybe just needs help with finding a whole context um of Moses' life, um, maybe some good resources. One, Veggie Tales. Go watch Veggie Tales <laughs> of Moses' <laughs> life. The um what is it? The Emperor of Egypt, is that what the it's Prince called? The Prince Egypt. of Egypt, yeah, Yes, the, the that's animated, what I watched as a animated child. movie,
1: over and against Amber's and objections. And then
0: maybe a little bit more directed towards giving a full scope of Moses' life is the Bible Project. They yeah. have a two-part video on Exodus. And part one will cover all of what um, the Hebrews text covers. And then if you really want to be an overachiever, you can also watch part two, which will oh, cover the rest of Exodus as well.
1: Cool. Yeah, I do think it's um, not something to just take for granted that people in our culture know the stories of the Old Testament anymore. you that know, was kind of part of the cultural knowledge for the last few hundred years in America that if you mentioned Moses or Abraham or David, people would know who, yeah. who we're talking about and the general shape of their lives. Um, but that's not the case anymore. So it actually might be really helpful to actually go and, and do an overview of Moses' yeah. life um, kind of in preparation for group or, or even during group just to remind people who don't remember or um, inform people who don't know who Moses was, what's going on in his life, uh, and what was happening with the, uh, the Israelite people uh, yeah, in that time.
0: Absolutely. Um, so CJ, as you were writing this curriculum, um, what were some things that were really sticking out to you um, in this Hebrews passage about Moses?
1: Um, I think what stuck out the most was how sweeping of a, an account is given, that it's not just one little instance in Moses's life, but it's the repeated instances. And it's instances that take place at kind of different key moments or that are happening in kind of unique scenarios and situations. Um, And so I kind of broke those down into five things that are being praised by the Hebrews author. Um, Each one of these is kind of led off by the phrase by faith Moses, you know, did X, Y, or Z, or by faith his parents. So it actually starts with his parents, not even him. (laughs) Um, But it's about his birth, which is pretty cool, uh, and his parents' faithfulness there. But really what I think you see is Moses is showing faithfulness in his identity. He's showing faithfulness in um, how he chooses to to give his life and to do his life for a specific task. So he he shows faith in how he kind of chooses his vocation. Um, he shows faithfulness in the midst of extreme risk and suffering and death. Um, and that's the the parts talking specifically about the the plagues and the death of the the firstborn of Israel in Egypt, uh, which would be a traumatic thing to live through probably and, and a scary thing to try and live faithfully by. And then uh, finally, I think he's, he's praised for um, exhibiting faith in the midst of his journey. So he's already chosen his vocation. He's decided to lead Israel out of uh, of Egypt. But in the middle of that, there's all of these obstacles and these really dangerous situations and these barriers that come up that you didn't, he didn't expect. Um, and so he has to show faith on the road in, in moments where you probably should be tempted to doubt, but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't. Yeah. So it's the sweep of the whole story in, in <laughs> Hebrews. It's not just that it's little this little one thing, but the whole thing. So it's the various ways Moses showed faith. And I think actually, you know, what, what this made me think of is, well, if Moses is this kind of complete character, um, why is he given so much time? And I think it's because Moses is one of the principal people in the Old Testament who foreshadows Christ. Yeah. And so actually each of these instances of his life and each of these instances of faith also map onto Christ's faithfulness. And so I yeah. think actually a pretty fun exercise to do as a group could be talking about what are the just general features of the Exodus, what happens in the story of the Exodus, and then how do we see that foreshadow or mirror or parallel um stories in the gospel um and i think that's a a very fun exercise
0: yeah and since you're bringing it up we do just like as we go through um each story this semester want to see how is the old testament constantly pointing towards christ so what are some of the ways that you're seeing even just to start jogging our thoughts like how do we do that in this story
1: yeah and i'm not going to give it like an exhaustive account here and i think just to start us off sure sure and the the fun with reading scripture this way way is actually that it's just kind of really open for whatever meditations, parallels, and kind of ruminations you have that lead you to consider Christ truly and deeply actually would be just a true interpretation, Mm -hmm. right? So I think could be as many as your students come up with realistically. Um, So the first I'd say is that Israel starts the story of Exodus just enslaved. They're in bondage to an evil emperor. They're in squalid conditions. And the the church has read this as being kind of an image of us, the humanity enslaved to Satan, death, enslaved to sin. Uh, And from these things, we need liberation. Um, And so you have that very basic fact of where we are. Um, Moses himself is a foreshadower of Christ. So Moses comes and he liberates his people mm-hmm. and takes them out of bondage and into the promised land eventually. And that's just at the very most general level, an image of Christ who comes and takes us also out of bondage to Satan, sin and death and is leading us into um, our own promised land, which is the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, and then a lot of the things in between also have kind of weird parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, when Moses is born, the, the emperor the emperor, the, the Pharaoh, um, <laughs> the Pharaoh tries to kill all the children, right? Mm-hmm. We see the similar thing happen with King Herod when Jesus is born, the, the slaughter of the Holy Innocents, all of the children of Israel are, are killed again when there's the the chosen one that's born. Um, and then actually Jesus himself goes to Egypt, um, yeah. which is, which is a pretty fun little, uh, parallel on its own. Uh, we see in the, the most famous part of the Exodus story, um, or the most significant point, probably, the the actual Passover meal where mm-hmm. the angel of death passes over and, and, and kills the firstborn, uh, but it's only by the blood of the lamb spread over the doorframe that uh, over the pieces of wood, right, the crossing pieces of wood, the posts and the lintel, um, that you are delivered. And all of that is kind of pointing to Christ. I mean, uh, this is an explicit connection that Jesus makes at the Last Supper, right? I am the Passover sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I am the lamb that was slain. So Jesus is that lamb, but he's also the firstborn that is slain. Um, and it's his blood that is shed on that pieces of wood, those pieces of wood that are crossed together, um, that secure our, our life and secure our freedom. Uh, the travels through the, the Red Sea are, are tied to baptism. Paul says this in first Corinthians 10, I think, um, kind of likens baptism to what they were doing crossing through the Red Sea. So it's between the waters that we pass Mm -hmm. before we can get out of, out of bondage and then the, the forces of enemy that had been at work in our lives are crushed under the water, mm-hmm. uh, but they actually don't immediately make it to the to the promised land either, yeah. do they? They have to spend some time in the desert, uh, which the Christians have read as being this life for us. Right, we are saved; we've been passed through the waters; we've been liberated from our bondage. But you, we're not into the promised land yet. So, in in many senses, we're we're in the desert right now, yeah. um, and we're being sustained with um, bread from heaven uh, <laughs> for the Israelites. It was the manna for us. It is. Um, Jesus himself is the the commemorative meal in the in the, the Eucharist communion. Um, Jesus said I am the bread, right? Um, so we are also fed with with the bread. Uh the Israelites are given the law uh, to sustain them through the, the the period between them and the uh between the, the the waters and um the promised land. Similarly, we are we are given a new law, the law of the spirit um, that is that is to rule our lives. Uh so yeah, I think all of these things are connections if you just mm-hmm. Treat it like a story, a narrative. This happens, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens. You're going to see Christian parallels. Yeah. If you treat the major characters, you're going to see parallels with Jesus along the main uh, the main characters as well. So, yeah, yeah I think there's a lot yeah. a lot to pull out. That's just a just a few.
0: And you could think that CJ, you said a lot. You like listed all of them, but really, you probably didn't even hit. A dent in all the many parables oh, all no, the no. many parallels we could so find. So much. Here. There's, There's so many so more. Many.
1: Yeah, like uh the rock <laughs> the rock that Moses yeah. hits in the New Testament, Jesus is that rock. So they're yeah. like, referenced. I mean so much. It's like, crazy. All the small little details of the Exodus so, story seriously do just point Straight yes. to Jesus, which is also cool because actually Jesus isn't just Moses. There's also other characters yeah. in the Exodus story that Jesus is also a fulfillment of. Joshua. So Jesus is yeah. also a new Joshua. So Joshua yeah. goes through once they get in the promised land and starts slaying all the enemies mm-hmm. of God. Like, this is Jesus. He is also slaying our enemies. Yeah. No. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. And like Jesus is greater than these individuals because we also see yes. the imperfections of them as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they are,
1: yeah. That's an important point. You know, David is flawed. Abraham is flawed. Moses is flawed. Um, and actually all of this at the time, even the Israelites knew like Moses can't be our, our actual Messiah, mm-hmm. right? Because he's flawed. He is still human. He still sins. Um, so that's actually uh, kind of further proof that they are in fact meant to point towards something yeah. flawless. Um, but yeah, Jesus is perfect. Is Takes whatever is pointed to in these characters in the Old Testament and f- perfectly fulfills them uh, and is is even greater than them.
0: So how do we, by reading about Moses, um, digging into the story, just like learn about faith? How do we grow in our own faith? How do we model faith, maybe even based on uh, Moses' story?
1: Yeah. So what I would do is, um, I think maybe one of the best things you could do is look at the various ways in which Moses was faithful. And again, I listed out some of those, what they were earlier. His his identity, his choice of vocation, his response to in the midst of suffering and, and kind of Deeply risky believing in God, Um, and then uh, the the doubts along the way, his journey. And what I would do if if it was just for me, right? I would be thinking, which part of my story am I experiencing the greatest tension with, or the greatest maybe disparity between myself and Moses? Is there a like traumatic moment of suffering I'm going through right now? Is there something that I'm being led into suffering that if I trust God, He's promised to deliver me, but it's not going to be a delivery that's. Um, or a deliverance that's um, easy or fun or happy. I mean, just imagine what Moses was going through the night that the firstborn of um, Israel and Egypt were slaughtered. Even if he put the, the the blood over his door, he has to hope that that'll actually mm-hmm. spare his children.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And then you also have to listen to all the families whose children weren't spared. And so even if you're one of the ones who was delivered on the night that that happened, can you imagine what it would be like waking up the next day? What you'd have to listen to? The ways in which the screams of mothers and families? I mean, that would I would expect that would haunt me. So there's a deliverance there, but it's it's not an easy deliverance. So maybe I would kind of figure out where am I in my life now? And then is there something similar that Moses had to go through? Mm-hmm. And what were the choices that he made there? What were the risks involved in those choices? And then, how is he sustained in making those choices? So, I'll, I'll just give you an example, right? Let's say uh, I love I love the idea that Moses's identity is part of the way in which he um, exhibited faith. That Moses has the choice to kind of live into the the fullness of being an adopted son of Pharaoh. So he's picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. He is a prince of Egypt. Um, he had it all, right? He could the money, the power. I mean, he could have. He could have done as much as he wanted with it. He could have chosen to be and to live into that part of what <laughs> he was offered, right? But then he actually sees his people suffering and he's faced with a choice, right? Who do I relate to? There's this really interesting philosopher, this guy named Charles Taylor, a philosopher up in Canada, a Christian philosopher. He wrote this sweet book, um, The Secular Age, it won a bunch of awards 10 years ago, but he's also done a lot of interesting stuff on identity. Uh, One of the things I've enjoyed reading about him is the way in which like identity is dialogical, which is just a fancy way of saying it's, it's a dialogue who you are is a dialogue, right? You're, you're having a conversation with somebody, which necessarily means that identities are relational, right? So I am a husband, right? Which means my identity is kind of involved or in dialogue with my wife, or there's a kind of dialogue between myself and my children, I am their father, they recognize me as their dad. And then that kind of recognition, the mutual recognition and the living out of that kind of dialogue. So this doesn't always mean like a literal explicit dialogue. (laughs) In the case of my wife, it was with an exchanging of vows. But these relationships are where we actually forge the who we are, which is actually why when Christians talk about your identity, the thing that you are first and foremost um, is always in relational terms. You are a son of God or a daughter of God which is a relational term, right? There's a dialogue there. The Lord looks upon you and says, you are my son. And then you must look back to the Lord and say, yes, I am your son and you're my father, right? So it's a kind of two-part dialogue. And in so far as we tell him no, um, then that relation is broken and our identity is kind of thrown for a loop and we must anchor it in something else. Um, But what's cool here is I think Moses's conversation about his identity, or at least the way the, the Hebrews author kind of talks about it, it starts to make me ask questions, right? What am I in dialogue with that's forming the who I consider myself to be, right? Who am I? And the Hebrews author says there's two things that Moses can choose between. He can choose between the power and the pleasure of identifying as the prince of Egypt and the ruler of these people and all of the things that would come with, right? And then there's the other choice, which is to identify with his people who are suffering, And by showing a kind of solidarity with them, by entering into a relation with them, taking upon himself um, their sufferings and sharing in those, um, he finds who he really is. And so I think what's interesting here is I'd ask myself, am I having a problem with figuring out who I am, right? And so maybe the the Hebrews passage, seeing what Moses did, it's going to make me ask the question, what are the places of pleasure and power that are tempting me into relationships, which are going to form my identity in a way that's actually going to be destructive to who I am or what I could be, right? And then maybe ask yourself, are there communities and people and relationships which will lead to my flourishing, even if it means I have to embrace a kind of suffering, And so I think there's all these interesting concepts wrapped together in just that one question. What's the relation between who I am and pleasure and suffering? And then what's the relationship of who I am with the people around me, the different communities that I belong to, and ultimately the community with my Messiah and my God. Um, And so I think like if identity is a problem that I'm struggling with, looking at how Moses navigated that crossroads in his life could raise a lot of interesting questions for me. Um, about pleasure relationships suffering um, and solidarity
0: yeah awesome no i think that's really helpful um just before we wrap up is there anything else that you want to relay to us about faith about seeing jesus in this passage or like other ways we can apply this um as we read it
1: um no not really i think for me, those are the two big things that came out or what are the various ways in which Moses showed faith? And then what is the way in which Jesus fulfills kind of the whole of Moses's life and mission? I will say I'd included it in the kind of written form of the curriculum here, but I want to emphasize this once again, because it might come up like, why why are we so interested in getting the Old Testament right? And why are we so interested in seeing Jesus in the Old Testament? And it's because the Christian church and the Christian faith has always considered itself to be the fulfillment of all of the stuff that happened in the Old Testament. Um, And that we might have this image, once again, we might have this image where like Judaism is happening, Old Testament Judaism is happening. And then there's Jesus and then Judaism is happening and Christianity is this kind of offshoot of Judaism. And the Christian church never understood itself that way. It understood itself as Judaism is always moving forward until it is fulfilled in Christ. And that after that, it is those who look to Christ, which are the full flowering, of all of the promises mm-hmm. of Judaism. And it's actually those who um, abandoned Christ and rejected Christ, even though they be of the ethnic Jewish line. Um, it's those who are the offshoot, Yeah, right? And yeah. so it's our book is the short answer, right? Mm-hmm. So the way, mm-hmm. the, the, the way that we read Jesus into the Old Testament is not some like appropriation of something that's not ours. It's the way to read the Old Testament as ours, as always being ours. Mm-hmm. Ours here meaning the church, right? I'm not, this is not an ethnic question. <laughs> it's a religious question. What is the, the, the truth, the, the rich theological truth of the entirety of the scriptures, Old and New Testament, is Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And this is not something we're just taking from the Jews and then reading into. This is always what the Old Testament was building toward. And so we as Christians have a duty to read the old testament this way i think because it's it's ultimately our book um and it's something which i hope that every Mm -hmm. jew will eventually um come to realize that christ is really written on every page that's that's my hope yeah but i think that the difference in those kind of two intuitive ways we think about the old testament and the relation of judaism and christianity can affect how we actually approach the old testament Mm -hmm. um and can hopefully enrich how we read the old testament
0: the all of scripture is one continuous story and without that first part of the story um we don't have a fuller understanding of it so thanks for pointing that out um but thank you guys for listening we will be back next week with landon um but we hope you guys have a great group bye